Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. Our first contact written by Chucky Snow. The Saga of the Seven Prelude. First contact did not go the way that anyone had expected. Man had finally gone out and reached the outer planets. After a tenuous foothold on Luna, Hubris led them to overreach and plant a flag on Mars. The first colony failed, and the second. The third one, however, aided by the distritus of the previous two, allowed man to become a truly multi-planetary species. Rocket technology grew quickly, and soon massive loop shuttles were traveling constantly between Earth and the Moon, Mars, Europa, Ceres, Enceladus, and even Mercury. Those shuttles carried humanity in every desirable corner of the system. With the mining and refining of exotic metals, engineers and scientists were developing machines and technologies in new golden age of discovery and advancement. Ships became faster, settlements became more comfortable and more resilient. Certainly, some of them became wildly rich from all of this, but humanity as a whole was moving forward. Hubris again led to events leading up to first contact. Scientists had found signs of intelligent life through the detection of subspace communication streams, and before they were even properly deciphered, we decided to answer those calls with a signal of our own. Man assumed that whatever answered them would do it through those subspace channels, despite the ability to communicate through subspace. Every scientist insisted that FTL travel was untainable. Our math simply didn't allow for it, and certainly there couldn't be new math that we had yet to discover. The whole system, 20 billion humans strong, waited to see if we would ever make contact with our new found neighbors. The answer came much faster than we expected. The first sightings was a flash of light, hours after the fact, of an object just outside the Oort cloud, far too distant for any visual reconnaissance. It started with a wildfire of speculation amongst the scientific and soon after the military communities. Further flashes were detected over numerous settlements before the craft was finally spotted and recorded. The ship was certainly of alien design. It was fairly small, missing the centripetal hull section and the visible thrusters. It appeared to be no more than a hundred meters in length and wholly unimpressive to any and all that tried to study it. The one notable observation was that the ship seemed to have a mass footprint of a hundred times larger than it should be, and those readings seemed to change with every scan. The ship finally appeared over Terra, with barely enough time for the outer territories to catch up the video feeds. The alien craft touched down in an area of soccer fields outside New York City. Presumably, it was because the headquarters of the United Nations was there but it's never been determined for sure. The ship had touched down silently, but with an impressive divot. It took very little time for an impressive array of dignitaries, cop, and the curious to surround and tapered, smooth-walled craft. 
Thousands of people were in attendance when the aliens finally exited the ship, a panel peeling off the side of the ship and two creatures descending the shore ramp that grew out the side panel. Roughly two meters tall, they were surprisingly bipedal with four arms, two legs, and something that was like a head, but not quite. They moved as if they had no internal skeleton. There was no neck, and the eyes seemed to be almost perfectly on each side of their heads. They had no apparent spacesuits, though there were numerous objects hanging from a harness of sorts. They stopped a few paces from their ship and seemed far more interested in the readings in their instruments than the people around them. One of the braver would-be ambassadors approached the pair, extending an arm in greeting. The crowd went silent as one. No one wanted to miss this potential first words in alien intelligence. The man's handshake was unacknowledged, though the alien seemed interested in the man himself. Holding out their instruments, they inspected the man. He, in turn, was game to be examined. He smiled and a hundred-odd cameras and close-ups of his bemused face. People across the system chuckled as they watched the strange visitors silently go about their work. The aliens certainly weren't interested in diplomacy. Perhaps they were simply explorers, something that humans could understand. The ships were sent out from Earth weren't filled with politicians. They were engineers and explorers. Perhaps these aliens were too. One alien finally made a sound that could only be speech. Other than the similar manner, the conversation went on for a while. The human dignitary had long since dropped his arm, and he now attempted to talk to the aliens. He was ignored. He turned to the crowd nearest to him and simply shrugged as he was ignored by the pair. Then, quite unceremoniously, an alien shot the man. He dropped like a sack the instant the weapon had been used. He hadn't even uttered a word of pain or protest. Why the alien would kill the man so casually is a mystery yet to be solved. The death was seen by billions immediately, and by effectively every living human within the hour. The crowd reaction took considerable less time. The shock of the death was replaced quickly by a roar of anger by the crowd. The same alien that had killed the human casually turned and began to raise its weapon again. In less than a heartbeat, a dozen projectiles of various calibers perforated the alien's somewhat gelatinous body. To say that the alien exploded from the onslaught would be accurate. The other alien took notice and attempted to run back to the ship. It barely turned before meeting the same fate. In the following days and months, hundreds of cops, soldiers, and private citizens were claimed to have shot the two. Charges were not filed against anyone. We now know that humanity's future rested entirely on the fact of what touchdown was indeed a random exploration craft, which had a crew complement of two. Where there is a single other alien, they might have sent out a distress call and called in reinforcements. They could have lifted off and denied us the greatest single discovery in the history of mankind, the ship. Humanity went silent, relying on primitive radio waves to keep the colonies in contact. We knew those electromagnetic waves could hide well within the noise of the greater universe. Scientists then poured over every molecule of the alien craft with a determination never before seen. The secrets of that ship were learned one by one. Then we began building our own ships by the thousands, each brimming with weapons. 
Humanity has never wanted for destructive ability, and we invented new guns and death rays that took full advantage of the alien style of power source. Linguists broke the code of their language, biologists learned the secrets of the alien's physiology, programmers learned the systems on the onboard computers, which led stellar cartographers to learn the locations of numerous systems across the galaxy where the aliens lived. We indeed learned new math. Within a generation, mankind gained the ability to finally leave our solar system. The first aliens hadn't shown us a great deal of respect. The next ones we encountered most certainly would. End of story. Story number two. Tradition. Written by Aaron Ball. Aaron, may I ask you a question? We were back at his porch several days after the simulation. Aaron looked up from the knife that he was polishing. Sure. Why do you use such outdated methods to fabricate your blades? Your own nanofab unit could produce a perfectly constructed knife for you in mere minutes. Why go to the trouble of hand-forging one? Even before we made contact, your technology had advanced well beyond hand-forging. We had made contact with the humans in 2018 by their calendar. Four years later, their technology level had advanced by leaps and bounds. Humans now had FTL drives, nanofabricators, stasis units, cures for nearly every disease that afflicted them, save for mental illnesses. Yet, here we were in a blacksmith's shop, of all places, making a knife with a forge, hammer, and anvil. Daz, Aaron was even polishing the blade by hand with sandpaper. He smiled then and went back to his polishing. Well, the sec, a couple reasons, actually, and, and foremost, because I enjoy it. I tilted my head, imitating what the humans called a nod. I suppose that is a reason enough. Naren stopped standing and checked the blade. Apparently, satisfied, he set it aside for the moment and looked up. It is, but I have other reasons, too. He looked back down at his hands and took a deep breath. He let it out with a sigh. You remember the simulation the other day, uh, the memories? I nodded again, my chitin plates clicking together in remembered horror. I do. Aaron nodded again. Remember my friend Jay talking me down from, uh, well, doing something stupid? Jay. Oh, the suicide attempt. Yes. He looked up. Well, let's just say that ADHD isn't the only disorder I have to fight. Blacksmithing gives me a way to break the spiral, to fight back against the depression. I see. That makes sense. Another nod. If the expression on his face was any indication, this was an uncomfortable topic for Aaron. Okay, well, there's another reason, too. My antenna perked up with a bit of curiosity. Oh? Aaron smiled. We humans are the apex predators of this planet, the baddest of the badasses. And yet, we don't have claws, we don't have killing fangs or camouflage. We're not the biggest, strongest, or fastest critters in the world. What made us the biggest badasses is this. He tapped the side of his cranium with his finger. We learned to make tools, first with wood and stone, and then with fire and metal. For me, blacksmithing is about as primal as it gets combining fire, earth, air, and water to create a usable tool. My ancestors were doing this 3,000 years ago, and the craft hasn't changed at all that much since then. 
Sure, the materials I use are more advanced, and I usually burn gas instead of charcoal or coal, but the tools are very similar to those of three millennia ago. He picked up a hammer from the rack mounted on his anvil stand, caressed it absently with his fingers. He had a faraway look in his eyes. Until about twenty years ago, blacksmithing was a dying art. There just weren't many smiths left in the world. New methods and materials had made it all but obsolete. He looked up from the hammer. Then the internet became a thing. People started doing research and got interested in the craft. When YouTube came on the scene, blacksmiths started making videos about building forges, anvil substitutes, the tools, and how to use them to make them. Slowly, at first, and then quicker and quicker, people realized it didn't take a lot of expensive equipment and started hammering hot metal in their backyards. For a lot of us, it's just a way we enjoy it, or that it helps us manage some disorder or another. It's about the connection to our ancestors, about keeping the tradition alive. Understanding dawned on me. My people, of course, had our traditions, rites of passage, seasonal celebrations, egg-laying, hatching, and death rituals. Ah, this makes much sense to me, Aaron. He smiled. Cool, I'm glad you get it. I nodded. I do now. Sadly, many of our own traditions have long since died out, such as blacksmithing. Once we were able to travel the stars, many of the traditional ways of doing things were abandoned in favor of efficiency. Aaron nodded. Yeah, that's what was happening on Earth, too. Efficiency was everything, and nobody had time for tradition. He shook his head. I have no problem with being efficient. I need a part for my car. I'm not about to go try forge it or cast it when I have a nanofab. But some things... Well, tradition has its place. It tells us where we came from, reminds us of who we are. He picked up the blade that had been working on. Check this out. Stepping over to his workbench, Aaron opened up a jar containing a brownish liquid and then held the knife for me to inspect. See this? The knife was smooth, mirror-polished, and surface-flawless. I nodded. Yes. He smiled. Watch. He immersed the blade in the solution, checking his wristwatch. We leave this in here for twenty minutes, then pull it out and clean it up. In the meantime, want to learn how to forge iron? I realized that I very much did want to learn. Aaron lit the forge, put the bar in the fire when it was glowing a yellowish color to my eyes. He had me remove it from the fire. We spent the next 15 minutes teaching me how to draw out a taper. I was shocked at how easy the metal deformed and the forging temperatures. It was like hammering at the very stiff clay. Tapering the bar was surprisingly easy. When the timer on Oren's watch beeped, we went back to the workbench and he removed the blade from the solution, donning a pair of rubber gloves. He wiped the blade with a towel and dipped it in another solution. There were bubbles, evidence of some sort of chemical reaction. First, the solution was ferric chloride. This one is sodium bicarbonate to neutralize the acid. He pulled the blade out and wiped it again. Then he held it for me to see. Where before there had been plain, unmarked metal, there was now a starburst pattern in the steel. How did you do that? Aaron smiled. I forge welded layers of different kinds of steel together into a bullet cut and twisted it to show the layers and then forged it into a blade. The different kinds of steel react differently to the acid etch. We call this pattern welded Damascus. Is it traditional technique? Aaron nodded. 
at almost a thousand years old. Amazing. Having seen this, I'm fully understand the allure of tradition. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.